Hello and welcome to Outdoor Asylum. Glad you guys are with me uh, here with Dusty McDaniel, who finally came back to visit again. Hola. <laughs> Our producer Jake Seipert with us as always. I'm here. I'm here. Guys, before we get going, I just want to remind you all, please, I know you hear this in every podcast, please like and subscribe. It really does help us out. So if you will hit that like button, subscribe to us, uh, please do that. For everybody that's already subscribing, we really appreciate it. So, guys, tell me what's been up. Jake, uh, Jake, you were on vacation not I've long been ago. on several vacations lately <laughs> with my family. Uh-huh. Uh, we went to How Dolphin old? Island down in Alabama a couple weeks ago, and then we just got back from Floating the Buffalo, stayed up there in Jasper. Man, that is such a crazy part of Arkansas. It's so pretty. Did you see the, um, was it the elk that they've got up there? We saw no elk. Uh, One of our members said they saw a bear. I didn't really believe him, but (laughs) sorry, Tommy. Um, Anyway, we floated the Buffalo. The roads are crazy up there. Marshall uh, rode with his little cousins when we were going to float. And he had to roll down the window and let his cereal go. He got a little car sick. Oh, oh yeah. There. yeah. Got got a little milk all over there, borrowed suburban. Sorry about that, Kyle. <laughs> we pulled a we pulled a camper up there and uh yeah. Yeah, I don't want to pull a camper through that stuff at all. You better slow That's it crazy. down or everybody gets car sick. Yeah. Dolphin yeah, I'm I've had enough family for a while, other than <laughs> my immediate family. In Dolphin Island, everything you know, you can have a great trip. And a lot of good things happen, but you focus on that one percent bad thing that happens in Dolphin Island. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, it's been a two or three weeks now, and I'm still not over it. <laughs> uh, I might, y'all are my thera- therapy kind of. Uh-huh. Do you need to lay down, sit down, or? Honey, <laughs> yeah. I'm intrigued, yeah. Dusty. I'm intrigued. I don't what know what's going to happen. Well, his attitude has changed. I'm, you know, you I broke the cardinal rule of being a kid, and you don't enter your parents' room oh, without knocking. Oh. On the next to last day at Dolphin Island, <sighs> I was going to check on my parents. Uh, they were getting ready to leave, and um, I cracked the door open and saw my mom's titties. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So... My trip was great until then, and I, I was pretty quiet the rest of the time. Do you remember anything about the the rest of Dolphin Island? Have you blocked all that no, out? No, a lot or? of that's just blocked out in big chunks. It's just all a blur. Yeah. Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm starting to talk again now. Uh, <laughs> the trip to the Buffalo River kind of helped me peace out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, relaxed. It, it wasn't um, like a bathing suit. like reading Well, my sister was there, and thank goodness she's not breastfeeding anymore. Because she, she's she's never scared of breastfeeding uh, public. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, man, I, don't, I sorry for that rough start, everybody. Well, I I don't know what to say. I you know, either. I mean, it's just pray for me, and my family. In multiple ways, multiple prayers, multiple ways. It, it was only the only thing that saved it is my mom didn't know, so I just backed out. I didn't tell anybody until now. Okay, so there was no awkward turtle moment. That's no, 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 no. We did, I didn't have to confront it. her. That's I just, I was able to just kind of forget, about, kind of forget about it and move you on. Didn't, she didn't come out trying to have like the talk with you. No, no, that. thank goodness. Yeah. Well, like I said, man, I don't know what to say. Other than that, I'm doing really good. Okay. Well, for all the audience, pray for Jake. Thank yeah. you. Um, I appreciate those. Appreciate prayers. you sharing that though, because I mean, now I had, I had to get it off my chest, chest, guys. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Manner of speaking, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I've had kind of had a tough week, but I feel better about it now. Hey, my my week is great compared to that. <laughs> what have you been up to, man? You're you're the guy that's always camping. You, have you been doing a lot so of that? We went four weekends in a row. It, yeah, so we went Greer's Ferry, then we went to Gray, then went back to Greer's Ferry, and then I can't even remember where all we went. Bull Shoals, Lake Greason. So, yeah, we've camped all of Arkansas. Still going to Norfolk. Still going to Lake Washtenaw this year. So that's that's what we do. But it's what's your favorite place of all the places here in Arkansas to go camping? What's your what's your favorite campground or place? <sighs> so to go? if you, as far as everything, the whole experience, it's it's hard to beat Lake Washtenaw State Park, um, especially the spots on the water. It's just it's gorgeous. It's nice. You're right mm-hmm. there. Um, my favorite personally is Bull Shoals White River. Just camping right there on the river, especially in the summertime. It's hot, but then that, you know, 56-degree water coming out of the dam, and you're right there on mm-hmm. it. Um, it's gorgeous. It's pretty. There's fun stuff to do. But they're all, I mean, you can't you can't go wrong. Um, all the, it's, you know, we are, you know, the blessed word. You can bring it right back. Because Arkansas with these lakes, like, it is a blast. I mean, we yeah. were at Greece on July 4th. It was beautiful right on the water. could swim and play, you know, the gray. You know, we've been the like I said, all of them. Catherine's in there. We've been there already this year. I know that was last year, and so like it's yeah, I lose track of them. But where were the fish biting? So we actually caught most of the best fishing we have is at Lake DeGray on Memorial Day weekend. And so I don't know if that cold front did it or what, but we caught a lot of fish. Um, we would go to Bull Shoals and White River and trout fish. And what's funny is we were there in May. No, June or something. I can't remember. Yeah, so May, I think. So. Yeah, it was May. And um, the mayflies had were literally hatched. And so, like, they're everywhere. And so, even the guides were like, there's no point in even fishing. Like, you are you are truly competing with Mother Nature. And, Plenty of food oh, out man, there. Oh, man, it's, yeah. My cousin, my little cousin just got back from fishing up there. And he said they'd fished for, like, two or three days, hadn't had a bite. Somebody came by on a boat. They're like, what are you fishing for? And they're like, we're fishing for bass. Uh, well, you might want to try fishing for trout. <laughs> Switch species. So you huh? can, so you can, and it's not like not knocking, you know, a lot of these guys, especially for the big fish. But if you just want to go up there and just catch tons of fish, yeah, you can. You can grab small little one out hooks, some chartreuse or pink power bait, throw on there, a little ultralight, yeah. drop shot it, and you can catch them all day long. Now you yeah. want to go catch big ones and all that. You need to get a guide, do it right. They'll yeah. show you. You go downstream past flipping <laughs> toward cotter and all that, you can catch a lot of good smallmouth. You can. Yeah, um, that's what they're after. And they and so, but you get there. further up, it's it's honestly, I mean, it gets kind of too cold for them even. So, yeah, we love it. That's our thing. And it just, it will wear you out. Then you get turned loose back to work after, you know, life is back to normal, so to speak. And You pull in a camper or just tenting it up? No, 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 no. We glamp. So we used to tent gotcha. and uh, we glamp. <laughs> so when you have a wife and a daughter yeah, you glamp yeah you glamp <laughs> so, and you have to set it up you got to hang the party lights and put the chairs yeah we glamp so your wife and daughter they enjoy that though oh they love they? it yeah like the, my little girl she's like the whole week before we go she's telling everybody like well, i'm going camping i get to play hooky from school we're gone like she knows yeah she has her bag packed by herself so it's a <laughs> i realized i don't have any great stories or any tragic stories like jake had um and to go to Dolphin Island, of all things, and come back with a tragic story without a fatality, that's that's kind of rare, but I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. But I did have one experience um, just a couple of days ago. Um, I realized 
and most of us, I think, learn this at some point. I'm just a slow learner. Um, I can't make the women and my wife happy. My my this is and this is a this is a little story, but a very simple thing. But it really it really symbolizes how it goes. My daughter told me other day, seven year old daughter. She said, "Daddy, I want to try some watermelon. I've never had watermelon." I'm like, "You've never had it? No." Now, this is a girl that will only eat chicken nuggets, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're always struggling to find something that she'll eat. So I was really I was really glad. And it was a little bit more because I've got so many fond memories of being a kid. Eating watermelon. Getting watermelon. You know, and my dad, we would chill one. My dad loved watermelon. And I don't know how many times we get a watermelon, we go out, put the tailgate down the truck, sit on that tailgate with a, a salt shaker mm-hmm. and some watermelon and just talk about life and eat that watermelon. And I have so many fond memories of doing that with my dad, and I thought, this is going to be so cool. You know, Hannah and I get to do this, you know. So I didn't just go to the grocery store and get a watermelon. I wanted something ripened on the vine. I found a place that was selling them here. These were grown over in Augusta, so I knew they were good. Ripened on the vine, I'd heard they were good. Got one, chilled it all day, even kept it in a cooler ice coming home, wanting to enjoy this with my daughter. We cut this watermelon. I give her a piece of it. You know what she says? Her response, she takes a bite of it, and she curls her nose up, and she says, it's too sweet. <laughs> too sweet. That's where the salt comes in. Yeah, even with salt, no, still too sweet. And then um, my uh, my wife tried a piece of it. She she Normally, she told me she wasn't a big watermelon fan. But she wanted to try a piece, gave it to her. And I am not kidding. Her response was, it's too wet. I said, what do you mean the watermelon? Those are too the two wet? things you want in a watermelon. Exactly. Water. I say, so my daughter runs around quoting Tracy Bird and will literally sing you the song Watermelon Crawl and Dance. <laughs> That's how <laughs> well, much Georgia looks Yeah, like. watermelon. She said, you put it in your mouth and it's just it's just too much water. It is a watermelon. That's my exact words. And <laughs> And stressing the syllables was exactly <laughs> that. And I just, man, I just threw my hands up. I said, I cannot make, if I can't, I can't make you happy. So y'all do your thing. I'm going to eat this watermelon. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this watermelon. Yeah, we're, we're just going to roll this, on. This, but. this nice, sweet, wet watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Can't, uh, you can't win. You can't win. So, Dusty, we're going to talk about some duck hunting today. Um, one thing we've been reading a lot about, we've heard a lot of people talking about, are ducks becoming nocturnal? So what do you think? you think these birds are turning into more nocturnal creatures, and that's one of the reasons that we're struggling so much at times? Well, so we talked about this last year when me and you went to Oklahoma, and we actually watched and you know on the scouting issues and some of that and watched these big feeds and how the true – Right before shooting hour, the sky would go black. You get to peel a few off right at daylight. And then as you hunt in the afternoons, which we don't do much here, mm-hmm. which we did there a lot, watching these ducks come back into feeds and clear sky in Oklahoma, it is a truth. You've got 30, 40 minutes of good seeing light after shooting hour. We watched thousands pour into mm-hmm. places. And it's after that, you know, we talked about it and stuff and started doing some research, looking into it. And, and there's, you know, the – Years ago, Foles started this conversation about the geese, you know, and you see the YouTube videos of people driving out to their blinds and hitting geese with rangers and side-by-sides, you know, because geese are feeding like crazy in the middle of the night. And I started thinking back, you know, where we hunt a lot is hunting next to some private clubs and rest areas, hunting public ground, and, and you hear ducks in the morning or right at day like chattering, coming over and getting up off of feeds and moving around. 
And it does seem like it, that's gotten earlier and earlier and earlier. And where it used to be right at daylight, it is 536 now. Mm-hmm. And this past year, we actually had a couple of times where we kind of messed with it and did a little, you know, kick the water, something while you're putting decoys out, turn all the lights off, and you'd have ducks land around you at 536 in the morning. Like, where yeah. are they coming from? Why are they moving like this? And, and Lamini were talking about it and started doing some research and, you know, you start to notice that people have already been doing this with telemetry and the satellite Mallard deal and tracking not only movements, but time of day and stuff like that. And you start to see that, you know, there's a huge percentage of ducks that feed at night, migrate at night, and during the day is strictly loafing. And that's actually the majority of waterfowl, how a lot of them are actually what they're designed to do. And then you start putting that in together with added pressure at those transfer times and what do they do? Those ducks start transferring their times. And so it's just like deer hunting. Over time, if you hunt the same stand over and over, that old doe's going to stick her head up out, look at you, make sure you're not in the stand. I think the ducks is starting to do that. And their natural fly back to the blind, fly back to the area you're hunting, the rest area, the green timber, you know, the big lake blind, stuff like that during the day, they don't do it as much anymore because maybe they are coming in there earlier. Because yeah. you go to the rest areas, you go to these big fields and stuff, ducks are out there on them. Like, they're still there. So why are they not coming and using it and stuff like that? We're definitely seeing different behavior. And I know, you know, as a kid, it's it was always, man, we wanted those ducks doing eat feeding at night. Mm-hmm. That's what we were after, you know, hunting in the timber. You know, for us here in Arkansas, uh, if you, if those of you there in, in other states listening, you know, we, we primarily have uh, rice fields for the most part some other areas, but mostly we're rice fields and we're timber here in Arkansas. So we wanted those birds in those rice fields feeding all night. I used to love hunting. You know, we always looked at the moon. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd get up in the morning. Oh, it was a full moon last night. They fed all night. They they're fed all night. And we're ready. Yep. Yeah. So they're going to be coming to the timber earlier today, mm-hmm. you know, than they will if we have a, if we have a dark moon. So uh, we always wanted that, but it seems like they're, they're changing their behavior now to where, they can get all they need. They can get all they need at night, and then during the day, they're just they're just staying in the safe zones. Well, and some of it, you know, you go back to that old saying, "Death by a thousand cuts." And I think that's to the duck hunting and the duck hunter, and not the duck. And you add in, you know, farming practices, so there's less grain being spilt. They're more efficient, so they don't stay on one big feed long enough, you know, or there's just less food there. You add in the management of habitat that in the last 10 to 20 years has just gone unreal. You know, used to you had Delta, DU, a few nature conservancy type people that managed refuges and planted a little food plot on the refuge or had a little feed in the rest area or whatever. Well, now you've got million-dollar clubs Mm -hmm. that have their own. They're building the X. They are. Yeah. They have built the X. You know, you look at – you look at – I don't even want to say their names. The top three or four – new and known clubs that put stuff on social media all the ducks if you look at their setup they have their green timber in the middle 80 120 160 acres surrounded by natural feed Mm -hmm. rice fields moist soil whatever Mm -hmm. and they literally just play the game of them flying back and forth play Mm -hmm. the wind that's how places mean you've gotten hunt together you know friends of ours places that's how they're so you we drove through the fields to get to the deal and you watching the ducks it's the same thing but yeah, they've created the X. And so, mm-hmm. but also the ducks don't have to leave there. So that's more ducks learning that area instead of learning the area they used to hunt. So it's, you know, we did a bunch of number crunching and trying to look at the amount of ducks and 
we can get to that in a minute. But as far as the nocturnal thing, it is easy to see that ducks are starting to sh- – the more pressure, the further in the season they've shown where ducks are actually going back to the rest earlier than later. Mm-hmm. And as far as right at the daylight timing. Yeah. It's not affected by moon phase anymore. It's not. And how far they go depends on the availability of that safe rest. Mm-hmm. And they're saving, they're conserving energy a lot too. You know, they're not. So they use less and need less. Yeah. You know, they're, they're in the middle of that migration. So, you know, a lot of that is the amount of body fat that they keep on and their well, energy level. In the mild winter and then they don't even need the high protein days. Yeah. So, you know, you factor in that and there's another thousandth cut right there. There's another one of those. Yeah, and you know, a lot of these areas that we hunt, there's going to be a lot more hunting pressure, and these these guys that have invested that money and they, they've built the X for themselves, they, they know one thing it. they factor in is that hunting pressure they're putting on it. They control it. Yeah, of course, you know, they've got enough birds that they're probably getting their limits early, but most of the guys that I know, they set pretty strict limits. Like, we're out of here at a certain time. Regardless. And there's certain days that we're not hunting. And mm-hmm. um, so they're – you're right. They've created an area these ducks do not need to move from. And you factor in, like, three of the main ones that get a lot of attention are relatively new. They're not your old historical clubs. They're within the last 10 years. Well, what's the life cycle of a natural mallard? Seven to 10 years if you don't get shot earlier. And so you've had a generation of ducks to learn this now, too. Mm-hmm. And you start factoring that in. But, you know, we were talking about doing that research, and we found this, you know, guy to mississippi state this biologist that did telemetry and i wrote it down he put like a hundred something gps units all on hens mm-hmm. right next to a refuge yeah and they would get up fly sometimes 10 15 miles away feed all night long and he had them at daylight coming back sometimes before sometimes right after right at that shooting hour light coming right back and did not get out of the rest all day mm-hmm. and the percentage was unreal of the like hundred and something ducks he had on it, only like thirty percent ever even touched public ground. And of that thirty percent, only eight percent was on ground that you could hunt. So that shows you right there eight out of a hundred ducks only came to the public ground a couple of times on their way back and forth to stop or get called at or whatever. Yeah. I mean that tells you the percentage you're working against already. Yeah. Another thing that I found really scary about that article was that um you know, there were certain days on that on that refuge where you couldn't hunt. Yeah, it was only open like a three day deal or something. So on the days that um, that that they did hunt, or or they they would get in there when they weren't hunting, but they found that on they, the days that they would hunt, those ducks were still out of there before shooting yeah, hours. They knew. They knew. They were detecting somehow. We got hunters moving in here. I don't know if they're. Hearing the boats, just the general noise of the hunters coming in, or what it was, he said they, you know, he didn't know exactly what it was, what was triggering them, but they were getting out of they there. Did. So, I mean, these ducks are they have learned. I mean, this we've had so much pressure on these birds that Funny they're enough, learning. It's it's new added pressure, and I think that's a big key. Is you look at you can't when you manage a deer herd, you can look at really your land, maybe your neighbors, but if you got a big enough chunk few hundred acres you can manage your own herd just about mm-hmm. you know with a duck you gotta look at the whole flyway in three continents you know not three, three countries on one continent you mm-hmm. know and you're talking about that's trying to manage all that and you have arkansas with a four mallard limit hunting ends at noon on public land every state above us all the way up has a bigger limit and can hunt all day 
So ducks are getting shot at daylight to dark. Mm-hmm. What does that do for us? That doesn't matter if we stop at noon. They're anymore. conditioned by the time They're they get here. Conditioned by the time they get here to know, oh crap, the sun's coming up, boys. It's time to go. Yeah. Okay, it's finally dark enough. We can get out of here, and we're not going to get shot. I mean, that's what they learn. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a lot of it. I'm not saying that the whole flyway needs to stop at noon. I'm saying that over time, this is what's going to happen. We just like spinning wing decoy train. They claim just like there's. And you can train any animal over time. We have conditioned the ducks to know what times they get shot at. Mm-hmm. When's the best hunting? First 30 minutes to an hour of daylight. Yeah. You know, and so with it's almost to the point where now you see some people have better success midday because they catch that intermittent loaf. They catch that some going back to feed, some coming back. And you've heard about that, them, them late morning mallards and all that. And, that may be of condition this too. It may not be related at all. But yeah, and him and there was another guy in Ohio who had the same thing, and his was even worse. He had like fifty or sixty GPS units and put them and saw that like uh, almost all of them, daylight to dark, set out in a big wad on Lake Erie in mm-hmm. Ohio, and then flew back to some like three hundred acres of corn. Mm-hmm. So he went around and factored all the corn that was planted in the aerial survey of ducks. And realized that each duck had 100 days of high-protein days needed if there. So there was way more food than there was actual duck to eat it. So he said, you will, you just, you're losing. Yeah. They're going to feed all night. And then to go out there and just sit in the middle of Lake Erie yep. out there, they were getting into deep water. So they weren't doing anything yeah. but loafing. Because they had that high-protein food. And so you're seeing with the – and that's the death by a thousand cuts. That's these farming practices. Now, not how good they're farming. Now we're talking about the crop rotation. When did, when did corn show up in Arkansas? You know, this biofuel, cattle food, corn, well, ducks eat snot out of that. Geese eat snot out of that, you know. And some of that does get flooded when the river comes up, stuff like that. And then you look at the private clubs that have added that into their rest area. Okay, and you say, well, there's not much of that in Arkansas. Fair enough. There's a lot of it up north of us. So ducks don't have to come down if a cold doesn't push them down. Mm-hmm. There's your next winter deal. You know, still, no matter what, you just start playing the death by a thousand cuts. And overall, numbers of ducks float. You know, we'll have up years, we'll have down years, but overall, it's a pretty steady thing, and it's steadily, you're noticing that. that yeah. Ducks come in and out earlier and later than they used to. I looked this up on YouTube trying to see what kind of videos we could find when we were talking about this topic, and I saw one thing that um, uh, a hunter was doing. It was kind of a desperation measure. He was talking about how these they were feeding at night in a rest area, and he was saying, we have to get, we don't want to get right on top of the rest area. We don't want to blow it up, he would say. We don't want to run everything out of the country. But they would get far enough away, and then basically they would put out every decoy they had. It didn't matter what kind mm-hmm. of goo, you know, Canada, snow geese, mallards, everything. So they're, we're just trying to create something huge to get attention. And any time those birds would get up during the day, even though they didn't really want to leave there, they wanted to have something that could get their attention, maybe to draw them over and so it was kind of like a just an act of desperation, you know, but, to try it, to get it some attention. It makes you start to try new things. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen guys do that with the same intention, but the opposite. If guys know ducks are using a certain rest area and coming from a certain feed, you get your angle right and throw out seven, eight dozen decoys and blow your lungs out, kick the water right at daylight, and you get some ducks not realizing they're not in the rest area yet, you can work, you know, they were working ducks down in. But it was one of those things, you better do it by first 30 minutes, 7 o'clock, or the rest of the day's done. We may have to go to some of the French techniques. I had a guy that bought some elite duck calls a few years ago, 
Um, and he sent me some video of how they were hunting them over there in France. And they had these things kind of like little houseboat type things. They were putting them out at night. And their decoy lines, they were like straight. And they were tying out live ducks on their on their decoys. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm yeah. Bad. And um, he said that they were using rifle scopes to shoot them. Yeah, we and, need the night vision EOTech, it yeah. seems like now. <laughs> yeah, well, we could try it. But anyway, they're hunting at night. I told him, I said, man, that is wild. Never seen anything like that. He said that was the only place in the world that he knew of that you could, you could use it. those tactics to, to hunt them. But they're out there shooting shooting ducks at night using live ducks for decoys. But I, I did, and I noticed it's not just Arkansas. You know, that's the thing I think a lot of people get hung on. It is not Arkansas. We learned that going to Oklahoma last year. We, You know, you got friends that hunt all over, and you talk to people. It is the same thing. You know, I, sure, you see Instagram pictures, and somebody's posting where they got 20 ducks sitting there. They probably sat there all day mm-hmm. long to do that. Or they hunted till 11, came back, grabbed lunch, went back out at 1 to do that. And so mm-hmm. that tells you the desperation of the hunter, like you said, to get that picture, to get his kill, to just have fun, find whatever. But the effect is what you're seeing in the duck is there is no relief time. Yeah. Well, our goal, every time we wake up, we go hunting. What's the thing you want? A limit. Yeah, you got That's, a limit. You got to get a limit. That's Otherwise, the mark of a good day. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, you're but exactly you know, when right. When people, people used to gripe about quitting at noon, you know, the big thing was after a few years, you realized, man, you could sit there at 1230 with your gun unloaded and the sky got black. Yeah. Well, okay, it's the same thing because is it trickling down from up north? Mm-hmm. You know, is it trickling down from the amount of lease land now here in Arkansas? You know, resident and non-resident, that's not even the conversation. But you drive around the afternoon scouting, I know in the past few years, I've seen a lot more people who sit in their blinds all day hunting here in Arkansas now because they have nothing else to do or because it's been so bad. That's the same effect. That's preventing ducks from feeding there in the afternoon, from coming in earlier in the evening than they would. You know, mm-hmm. and so it is. It's a huge thing. I mean, that's conditioning the wildlife, the style we hunt, and everything. It's it's known, and it's not just you can do it to turkeys, you can do it to deer, you can do it to everything. And so, you know, people know that deer know their trails. They stay away from this. They know where this is. It's no different. I noticed in those articles too. Where we got a little bit of a, a break or an advantage here in Arkansas was when we have timber areas. They said they didn't notice the effects as much. As bad, yeah. Because they feel a little more secure with the cover that they get from but timber. But what's funny but. is still the times of day they come in and out of the timber mm-hmm. still affects your shooting time. Because that yeah. was, he mentioned that comment of how, you know, the biologist noted that it, like you said, the full moons to a cloudy night, when a duck would come in, when a duck would come out, it was actually kind of the opposite of what you thought. When it was clear, they would come on in. The cloudy ones, they actually held back a little later so they could see, I guess, to land the timber and all that. But You've seen the results of this a lot with, you know, having the duck call company. We try to shoot a lot of video, and it's exactly what you say. You know, a lot of times we had ducks hitting the water early. And it's like – Camera don't pick it up. Right? Camera's not going to pick it up. So we kind of like, well, let's just wait. You know, let's, let's kind of let these go because we're not getting anything video if we don't catch this right here. And then once that light comes up, we don't have the birds, and you're thinking, man, we should have just – Or if we could have gotten that on camera, that was that – was Oh, good. yeah. And what's funny is this goes back to look at the – you know, you guys that watch social media, these these clubs. Watch these clubs' videos they post. You will see the same thing. Majority of the Mondo Wads, majority of the big groups, these 50, 7,500 mallards, more than that even on some of them landed mm-hmm. – 
That it's pixelated. It's grainy. It's gray it's early dots. morning. Yeah. yeah. It's not big sunshiny Mallers doing it anymore. Yeah. And so I think, and so what's the answer? Is there one? Is, is it pressure? Is it, re- there's not, who knows? You know, that's, this is that death by a thousand cuts. If you try to tweak one thing and you, you factor in habitat management, not knocking the game of fish. That's a whole nother conversation of how stuff gets run, but, or managed and, but, but you look at the timber issue, we know there's one, trying to trying to save the timber, trying to make everything right, you know, cleaning of the buck brush, some people say, cleaning of the rest areas, changing that, you know, every little thing does affect one way or the other. And so you start adding all that in, and it's it's a huge factoid. Yeah, huge. and we we'll get angry when we see um, these guys that are putting these huge clubs together um, and holding all these birds, but you know we know we do the same thing. Oh, if if we had, could do if it. If I had the money, I don't ever want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd rotate. So we can't blame them for what they're doing because we would do. We would want to do the same thing. I don't, you, you don't fault capitalism. You just you just envy it. You know, it's like, hey, you, you did what you had to do to get there, and I'd be doing the same thing. And what's funny is they they are building what the WMAs, a lot of our state public ground, federal ground, used to be. They're building the same thing. Yeah, they're putting good quality timber next to a rest area, next to a fee, which is what a lot of these places have. Maybe we should um, put, like, Bernie Sanders as director over this thing, see if we get some kind of a socialist um, agenda where we could all get our mallards. I would be down for a draw to the <laughs> private club. So, like, the peasants, yeah. the serfs, get to draw and have a day turn on the private club. But they would bring back party hunting again, so you yeah. could just... One guy get the ticket, we all get to go to, you know, wherever famous club today, and, hey, here you go. But in all reality, you talk to a lot of those clubs, and even the last few years, they've had issues the same way. Mm-hmm. They 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 have birds, but they don't get up and fly. They sit in their rest areas. Yeah, you know, I know one last year that was actually had some clients in and had to go get one of the guides to, you know, take a mud motor to the rest area to get the ducks up. They just wouldn't get up. Yeah, but there was tons of them out there. You know, it's like, kind of, have we created too much habitat? We've created the problem. You know what exactly how we did it? I don't know. Whether, you know, hunting pressure—it's well, it's always a little bit of everything, most likely. But through hunting pressure, we've definitely created oh, yeah. this problem. And like I said, and like you know, every field's flooded. It seems now every field that can be flooded is flooded and leased to somebody for a certain amount of money. You know, what's well, capitalism? Great, but what have we created? You know, mm-hmm. we have two here, five here, six here. There's not a wad there anymore. Of that mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's crazy. The numbers, you know, the numbers of ducks. To, to correlate to that is it, it fluctuates. You know, you go back, you know, we looked up, I looked up some history on the, the surveys and the fish and wildlife started that in the 50s. And, you know, it was banner years and it seemed like every few years it, it'd float down, it'd float back up. And and there was some drastic, you know, 10, 11 million highs and some 5 million lows. But the last few years has been a, you know, 10.5 million high 10 years ago to 9.5 million the last year they did it, you know, 19, not 20 because COVID. And so, you know, but that's a 10%. You know, and we were talking about that, you know, kind of before the podcast is is you take out, you know, the exact number in 2012, which a lot of people remember in Arkansas was a really good year, was I think 10.5 million mallards on that breeding survey. And then you look at 2019, it was like 9.5. It was a full... Well, 1.2, 1.3, something like a million mallard difference. Well, overall, yeah, it's only 10%. But Arkansas kills about 450,000 mallards a year. So we would not kill a mallard for three years to make up for just that gap that the population survey found. Mm-hmm. 
So is is that jump enough? You know, you know that same year in 2012, when there was 10 and a half million mallards, there was 48 million ducks total. So that's your wood ducks, your gadwalls, people killing teal and pintails. You know, in 2019, with the nine and a half, nine point four, whatever it was, million mallards, that was down like 38 million. So there was a true the the, the percentage fall across. Yeah. And that, that's a factor as much as anything else. I hope we get a good hatch. I was I made a few notes here from uh, an article that you'd sent me about this. Just talking about the conditions up there right now, yeah, so we don't have the we don't have the numbers. But there were a lot of areas that they're dealing with some really dry. It's backwards. Yeah, uh, it said uh, gave ten list of ten areas here breeding grounds between Canada and, and the northern United States. British Columbia, uh, warm, dry, needs rain. Alberta, dry. Saskatchewan, dry. Uh, some rain in May, but need more to uh, to improve that. Manitoba was dry. Uh, Ontario, uh, average average to good breeding on schedule there. Uh, Quebec, warmer and drier than average, but good as far as the breeding conditions. Uh, Atlantic, uh, Canada, good conditions there. Uh, North Central United States, uh, poor in North Dakota and Northeast Montana, slightly better in Eastern South Dakota, so they're very dry up there as well. Great Lakes and Northeastern United States, dry, but some precipitation has helped. Western United States, California, they're really suffering out there. They're having extreme droughts, water shortages out there. That's what I call it backwards. You know, you look at a rainfall map, you know, who's plus and who's minus for the United States in the south region, Texas, Arkansas, all through us kind of down in here is we're ahead for the year. We're mm-hmm. already ahead. We're green. Yep. You know, I know you may look at the top of the ground and think, well, I could use some rain. Yeah, okay, it's been 30 days since the rain. But as far as lakes, rivers, ponds, aquifer, like we're we're good. But up there, like you said, they're red. Like they're mm-hmm. way behind on their rain schedule. They're mm-hmm. bad dry. Yep. And so it's that's going to be an effect. You know, that's another year of – and I forget the long-term average – program population they shoot for is like eight and a half million i think is what fish and wildlife has for the mallard mm-hmm. and so when you're saying they did a report and getting nine nine and a half to them they're above but i think a lot of it is we got used to some of them 10 11 million years and it's like you know it floats and this is how this is how fragile this is you know when you're chasing a population when you're chasing herd management or you know species management, whatever you want to call it. But it's very easy, you know, point systems back in the day were, were thought crazy, but you go look at a graph and look at the numbers, the years the points were in was because there was a decline. And after the years of the points for a while, it started coming back up. Like it actually helped some breed and get going, all that. Turkeys in Arkansas, same thing. You know, we've had some really bad years. They cut the season way down to like two weeks, one gobbler, a couple gobblers, da da da. In the last few years, you've actually started to see people talking about killing more turkeys, seeing more turkeys, hearing more turkeys. Is it working? Is that the right correlation? So, I mean, is a lesson limit the right thing? It'd be great. Sure. Anytime you take out less population, you should have a boom. That should be the right correlation. But will every state above you do it? Yeah. Arkansas may cut it back to two or three. Well, that's great. What's South Dakota going to do? Still kill six every day? What is up there, five, six? It's like, you know, Oklahoma's five. You know, we went up there, it's like, I mean, you literally drive across one little road, one line, and now you can kill five ducks right here next to killing four. So, mm-hmm. what? I don't know. Everybody's got to get on the same page because it is something's changed. Something's drastically changed, whether it be the nocturnal, 
actual numbers, correlation of both, which is this death by a thousand cuts. But upcoming season, we need coal. They say we're going to get it like they do every year. Yeah, yeah. I made some notes too. You sent me that what they're projecting weather wise. Yeah, the um, national know or whatever says it's going to be real snowy here and not up north, which is again kind of backwards. Yeah, it looked like a lot of the areas that are dry, like you start going west, you're seeing a lot more dry conditions. I said uh, harsh extreme in like northern Minnesota and Michigan, which we expect that every year. You know, I don't know how those guys tolerate it, you know. They're just harsh. Yeah, those guys are tougher than I am, I guarantee you, to live up there and that stuff. Uh, very cold and snowy in the Dakotas, uh, Iowa, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Ohio. said cold and snowy in um, southern Missouri and Arkansas, Tennessee, Kansas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, and upper parts of Georgia, uh, Texas, and uh, southern Louisiana. Just um, We're kind of showing some of the warmer the more, area. The more which, snow is good because that's ground cover. That actually makes a lot of times prevents the duck from feeding and makes them get up and move. Yeah. You know? Abnormally warm and dry up in um, California, Washington State, upper part of Oregon, Idaho, the northern parts of there. So they're they're not going to get any relief. Even even their their winter is going to kind of mimic what they're experiencing right now. Maybe maybe I need to get a friend of mine as a meteorologist to come on here and explain how that can change and is it jet streams floating, moving. You know what climatology, meteorology, all that stuff could do. But it boils down to science. Bring him it, in here. I mean, get, get Fauci in here if he can explain <laughs> these weather patterns. I'll take if it. If y'all you know? would wear three masks, you'd kill more ducks. <laughs> these ducks need face masks. These face mask on face the, mask. Yeah, maybe that's it. We they've been you know face mask to cover the whites of our eyes. Maybe if you would put a face mask over your LED light bar, you'd kill more ducks. I saw a I saw a thing the other day, getting completely off topic here. But this guy was talking about the face mask mask and the one that we're usually using. This is the ones you buy at Walmart. This yeah. is what this is what I've used when anybody requires a face mask. That's the only time I ever put it on is if it's absolutely required. But he took he put five of them on his face, five. Yeah. And then took a mirror and put it in there and fogged it, it up, yeah. you know. So, I mean. Uh, the best one I've seen is is you can you can smell a fart <laughs> through 100-ounce cotton denim blue jeans, and you really think that thin mask is going to stop anything. <laughs> it's, you know. Yeah. So. Quit wearing pants. Makes us feel, um, not going to go that far. I mean, and your Dolphin Island story has got me uh, – I'm probably going to start walking. I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm going to Just knock before you ever go in your parents' room. Please. blinders on. (laughs) Pull that mask up over your eyes a little bit. A full face mask. (laughs) But, no, you know, and it's that kind of stuff, yeah, it's – I don't know. I'm glad all that's kind of getting over with, whether they want to blame who got what, who got there. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, that's a whole other thing. But the duck hunting part of it, you know, um, I think we'll see a lot more people hunting this year. I think a lot more people will come track traveling and for good. You know, the guide services, some of them took a hit last year, and mm-hmm. it hurts. Those are those are day-to-day operations. Those are guys that don't have cash flow to make a float a year. You know, those guys, it was hard on them to try and probably get a PPP loan. Like, that didn't happen. So, hopefully that changes. Hopefully that floats around. Um, the stores, everybody, you know, duck hunting is a big revenue, whether you agree with it or not, and you hope that, you know, the people that live off of that can get back in the graces and keep rolling, but – Good or bad, we'll see. You need water, you need cold, you need ducks. It's in the story. So, but yeah, I, I think there is something to this, and hopefully we can find a couple guys get on here explain it better than just what we can Google and find out about this whole nocturnal thing. But it's been a, it's been a talk for years, and if you pay attention to it, if you think back to hunting, you know, for you guys, girls listening, but 
think back when you get when you get in the hole when you run the hole in the morning you're putting decoys out what you might hear before daylight a few years ago to what you hear before daylight now and mm-hmm. you ought to be able to start seeing the correlation too like yep. it's it's pretty easy mm-hmm. you know and is that I've heard some people talk about is that you know is that the mud motors being loud? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I've been in places where there was nobody else around. We were the only ones, and at five thirty, I mean, it sounded like you were under a feed. It sounded like you were on the X, and they're floating around you, and they just drift off to the rest or or to that area if they're coming in there already. You know? You're getting excited, but they're just getting ready yeah. to leave. Yeah, or they're getting out of there. You know, yeah. they're getting out of the woods that they were in. You were you got close to the raft, and the raft left long before daylight. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we played around with it last year with decoys and would throw decoys out, making splashes and kicking water, and and we were landing ducks at five thirty six in the morning. Like you couldn't see them, you could hear them splashing, landing around it. Like and it's like, wow, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, daylight, you kill two, and you're like, what what just happened? Yeah. So it's. There's something to it. Numbers don't lie. You know, people talk about it. There's plenty of research out there. You can follow people. The, this Lancaster guy at um, Mississippi State does a great job. Osborne Labs, Monticello, I think, has done a lot with that kind of stuff, too. So, yeah, it's be entertaining to see what happens, as always. we got to solve this problem by the time season gets here. Uh, November rolls around. We need to have a, we need to have a plan in place. But uh, Maybe that Memphis bridge will be broke and keep a few people out. <laughs> You, that breaks some hearts. I've been driving across that thing before and after, and it, yeah, who? So I was driving before they found the crack. Now stuck on I fifty five half the time for work. Some, and it's like there's there got crews all. It can't be too broke because there's crews all over it with cranes hanging off and everything else. Thinking, okay, so you know, yeah, maybe nobody just wants to sign off that it's good anymore. Yeah, well, maybe they won't have it fixed by by the season anyway. Well, Dusty, man, it's good to have you back on. Um, Brian is on vacation. Hope he has a better experience than what Jake had, and uh, <laughs> he should be back next week. Got to get both of you guys on here. If at Brian the same comes time. back wide-eyed, we know he's got a Jake story. So <laughs> he has to yeah. watch this, and then he has to give us his his best Jake story. I looked over there a minute ago. Jake was just sitting there sucking his thumb. He, he was. was I, I they don't see him on the camera. It's a good thing. He he's, was he's traumatized. Yeah, stuttering trying to tell that story. So I haven't I seen those babies coming. since I was two. Maybe three. <laughs> oh well, everybody pray for Jake. I'm gonna get. We'll get some shirts printed. Pray for Jake, and uh, that's that's we'll, we'll roll forward on that. But uh, anyway, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next week. We'll come up with a different topic, and we'll uh, we'll tell you how Jake's therapy's coming. <laughs> <laughs>